People have been having some really weird, bizarre dreams lately, and they're wondering if it has something to do with the pandemic. This tweet is from Amanda who said, just woke up from a dream where I was having an argument with my cat because he had decided to move out because he didn't like the tiny socks I was buying for his paws. Caitlin said, I had a dream last night that I could make puppies out of cake batter. What could be any better? I'm having some really weird dreams lately. And there's a story in the book of Acts in the Bible about a really bizarre dream. Peter was a disciple of Jesus. And Jesus had risen from the dead. And Peter was um, helping to start this new community of people who are living the way of Jesus. Peter was a Jewish follower of Christ. And he believed that in order to be fully accepted by God and a part of the community, um, someone had to convert to Judaism. And they had to be circumcised and they had to follow the Jewish law. And it was forbidden for a Jew to associate or spend time with or hang out with a non-Jewish person. And it's weird to think about this because Jesus also was a Jew, yet so much of Jesus's ministry was including people who were not Jews. And it was including the marginalized. And yet the early Christians like Peter, even Peter who was with Jesus through so much of his ministry and his death, uh, had a hard time um, accepting that radical inclusion that Jesus lived out. And it is so easy to think that our group, our beliefs, and our uh, way of living is the right way. And it sadly makes me think of a lot of the churches who are meeting today on Easter Sunday, um, who are breaking the law because they are claiming that this coronavirus is an attack from Satan. And they are claiming that their church should meet in person because they are immune to the coronavirus because they have God's protection or God's favor. What about all of the people around the world who have uh, caught the virus and who are sick and who have died? Were they somehow outside of God's favor or protection? This is a dangerous, dangerous way of thinking. Why do we think that we are the right ones who God likes best? because of the way we think, because of the way we read the Bible. Peter was wrestling with this exclusion. And God used a dream to kind of wake Peter up from this exclusiveness. And so the, the story is found in Acts 10. And it's noon. Peter goes up to his roof to pray for his daily Jewish prayers. And he gets hungry. And he falls into a trance. And it's such a really weird trance. He saw the heavens open up and this massive um, bedsheet-like thing descended from the ground. And in this sheet were all kinds of birds and reptiles and animals. And it was such a bizarre scene. It's like something you would find in a Tiger King music video. If you don't know who Tiger King is, check that out on Netflix. But it was just strange and bizarre. And Peter hears a voice during his trance. And that voice says, Peter, get up kill and eat. Peter said, no way. He said, my Jewish law 
So my whole life, people have told me in my religion that if I were to eat these animals on the sheet, that would make me unclean, it would make me ungodly, and it would be sacrilegious. There's no way that he was going to eat those animals. And then Peter hears the voice again, and the voice says, What God has made clean, do not call ungodly. So Peter snaps out of it, and he's completely freaked out. And Peter realizes, though, that this dream about food and animals and eating wasn't really about any of those things. This dream was about people and how he sees people. When he realizes this, he tells uh, his other uh, Jewish Christians, you all realize that it is forbidden for a Jew to associate or visit with outsiders. However, God has shown me that I should never call a person impure or unclean. Peter said, I really am learning that God doesn't show partiality to one group of people over another. Rather, in every nation, whoever worships him and does what is right is acceptable to him. This reminds me of uh, prophet Micah, who's talking about what God truly wants, and it's not sacrifices, and it's not temple worship. Micah 6. This is what God wants from us, is to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk in humility with God. That what God wants from what Jesus said, the two greatest things, love God with all your heart, all your strength, all your mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And that neighbor includes your enemy. And then Peter kind of has an aha moment of realizing what this means. And he describes to the people there all the things that Jesus did in his ministry and the way he embraced the outcasts and he touched the lepers and he befriended the marginalized and how uh, Rome sent him to his death on a tree and how God raised him back to life on the third day. And when remembering all this, Peter realizes that everything that Jesus said and did, and what happened to him was finally making sense. That through Jesus, God's intended vision for humanity was being realized. That all persons can be accepted and loved by God. And because of that, we should accept and love one another. And Peter was realizing this. That if God doesn't play favorites, if God doesn't accept some people over others, and why do we? That was the question that Peter was asking. And I'm asking, why do we as Christian churches today, we who claim to follow this inclusive Jesus, we put up walls that keep people from being in the community? Do you disagree with our doctrine? I'm going to put up the wall. Do you disagree with our understanding of sexuality and gender? up the wall. You can't be in leadership here. Do you disagree with our, uh, our politics or our religious beliefs? We're going to put up the wall. And Peter realized that God, through Jesus, was tearing down these walls. That God doesn't love one person or one group more than others, so neither should we. And Peter realized that his job as a follower of Jesus is to continue that work of tearing down those walls that exclude people. So this is what Easter means. Easter 
means this radical love that God showed through Jesus did not end with Jesus. It did not stop with Jesus. It is still living on today through you. Easter means that while death and despair and violence and pain are real, even in the midst of that, we do still have hope and love for one another, love from God. There's a story from Julian of Norwich who um, illustrates this idea. She was a Christian mystic from the 14th century in Eastern England, and there is a plague in 1348-49 that was just ravishing the whole landscape. And Julian had uh, contracted that plague. She was really sick. She was on her deathbed. Um, She was struggling to breathe. And they called the priest in because they knew she was the end of her life. So the priest came in and blessed her. And the priest held up the crucifix, the cross with Jesus on it, uh, in front of her to give her her last rites before she died. Something strange happened. She goes into a trance, a lot like Peter did. Um, Julian starts to lose her sight, her, her body goes numb, and she has this strange vision of the figure on the cross uh, bleeding. And that figure on the cross having these black and blue uh, sores and bruises all over his body, uh, just like the plague that she carried that image would have been so real for everyone um, and in Julian's community because the plague was ravishing the neighborhoods. And Julian, in that vision, on her deathbed, realized that God, Jesus on the cross, was willing to enter into her pain on her deathbed and to contract the very disease that she carried in order to be with her. And Julian realized, surely, that the cross reveals to us a God who suffers and hurts with us. You are not alone in your pain. You are not alone in your fear, in your loneliness, in your anxiety. God is one who enters in it with you. We are to do the same with one another. Julian miraculously recovered from her illness and she wrote about the vision she had in a book called Revelations of Divine Love. And this book was the earliest surviving book in the English language to be written by a woman. And in this book she writes, But all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. God did not say, you shall not be tempest-tossed, you shall not be work-weary, you shall not be discomforted. But he did say, you shall not be overcome. Even in the midst of her despair, there was hope of love, the presence of love of God. In the midst of fear, in the midst of aloneness, there is hope and joy and love. What her story tells us, what the death and and resurrection of Jesus tells us is that in one hand, in one hand we carry the pain, sorrow of despair, the fear of death, just as Jesus felt. 
on the day that he died, when he was on the cross and he cried out to God and he said, God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Even Jesus Christ felt that pain. But that wasn't all there was. Three days later, after a time of waiting and fear, there was also, on the other hand, the beauty of life, the resurrection of hope. And it doesn't end with the despair of death. It's not all there is. We can hold both um, the pain and the goodness and the beauty of life and hope and love. We can hold them in both hands at the exact same time. We can remember the message that uh, Julian heard from God, that voice that said when she was on her deathbed, you shall not be overcome. It's a brilliant poet, Padrago Tuma, and he's an Irish theologian, and he's a gay activist for the LGBT community. And a few years ago, he was struggling with a chronic illness that lasted uh, eight, around eight years. And out of that experience, Easter had this whole new meaning for him after struggling with that despair. This is what he said. Each year on Easter Sunday, I find myself moved not because there is a happy ever after ending to all of our stories. It's quite clear that there is not. I am moved because of a sacred echo of a hope that there is solidarity for those who feel like we inhabit a small hell of our own experience. The hope of Easter doesn't damn this hell with a bleaching light. Rather, this hope enters and squats with us. The celebrations of Holy Week for me are not about cataclysmic resurrections, but about being moved to follow in the life of Jesus, the Nazarene, bravely entering into loneliness with a small spring of consoling company. The resurrection is not about just a resurrection of new life. It's about being moved to follow in the way of Jesus love God, love your neighbor, of include uh, people rather than exclude. There is a story of Jesus after he had risen from the dead and he appears to his disciples out of nowhere. And his disciples thought they were seeing a ghost. And Jesus says, look at my hands and feet. It's me. Touch me. See me. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones like this. And his disciples were full of joy and they were freaked out at the same time. And Jesus looks at them and says, do you have anything around here to eat? And then Jesus sat down and ate broiled fish with them. It's a bizarre story. What it tells us is that resurrection is embodied. It's not just this misty, vague idea. Ghosts don't have flesh and bone and food cravings. Resurrection is not just an idea to think about of hope and love that's here and gone like a mist. Resurrection of hope is embodied. It is flesh and bone. The resurrection of hope and love for all people is embodied in you. This prayer we'll close with is from Teresa of Avila, who wrote, Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth, but yours. 
Yours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body now on earth, but yours. In the midst of the weird dreams during this strange time, let's share together in, uh, the seemingly strange, bizarre dream that God had for his world, that Jesus had, that dream uh, of inclusion, that all people would experience wholeness and healing, a dream of nonviolence for the world, of peace, a dream that we would one day sit with our enemies and share a meal, just like the prophets Isaiah uh, wrote about. The dream, the reality that God's love is inclusive, that God's love is stronger than hate, that God's love is for you and in you. And God's love lives through you. When Peter says that God shows no partiality, that word in Greek literally means accepts faces. God is the one who accepts faces all faces. God gazes upon your face and likes what God sees. God is speaking and living and working through you to bring a resurrection of hope and joy and love. So think, what is bringing you hope and joy right now through this hard moment, through this hard time? Let's resurrect hope together. One thing giving me hope right now is being part of the community. Kindness and compassion give me hope. Big bright smiles from people when you pass them on your walks. What brings me hope is watching people who are strangers come together to encourage and provide for people they don't even know usually. What gives me hope is knowing that whatever's going on, God's got it handled. So I suppose the one thing that that gives me hope in all of the chaos that we're experiencing is that uh, there still is love in the world and that's gonna help us cushion the blow at least. I will list five things that are bringing me joy right now. Sunshine, warmer weather, more time with Devin, my husband at home, FaceTime with friends and family, and seeing people in the community and around the world helping each other out. Oh, and wine. The things that are giving me uh, hope and joy right now uh, include my friends and family that I'm maintaining connections with, you know, over phone, uh, online means, um, playing games, watching movies, and that sort of thing, and also my cat. What's giving me hope right now is the heightened awareness of love in our collective consciousness. This crisis is a channel through which love will flow and flourish like we've never seen before. What brings me joy right now is reading books and what brings me hope is thinking about the future. For me, what brings me joy is sun and hope uh, is that my college is starting from next Monday, so it'll be fun. <laughs> Maddie, what makes you happy? Who is that? What brings me hope and joy right now, in addition to being 
at home with my favorite person, Kylie, is being a part of a diverse faith community mission gathering, a family who is striving to bring love and hope and joy to our community, to change the world for the better. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for being with us this Easter. Happy Easter.